0: it's now with dave brown on ami tv there are so many holiday events making their way across alberta this month that we needed one person to round it all up for you community reporter anna kim has more details anna is based in Wetaskiwin, alberta hey good morning anna great to chat with you once again
1: good morning how's it going
0: I'm doing pretty well. Let's uh, talk about probably one of the big ones. And this one will be passing through Alberta, but uh, this will also be making its way through a lot of communities in Canada. It's the Canadian Pacific Kansas City holiday train embarking on its cross-border journey. And it continues up to December the 19th and is making its way to Alberta. Anna, out of all the holiday events out there, why does the CP holiday train stand out?
1: My goodness, I have the most fondest memories of being a little grade three kid and my mom packing us into the van and saying we're gonna go to the holiday train and I would meet all of my family there and we'd have hot chocolate and I mean, you'd be running around with all of these random kids with snowball fights and building snowmen and like snow transit trenches and you could sit as far or as close to the train as you wanted to. It was just an amazing atmosphere to be in in the community. It brought everyone together. It was exciting and loud and there were just people everywhere or you could have people not around you. It was very like very inclusive in in what you could do and everyone was singing along with you know, the the Christmas music and you just got to catch up with people. It's just an amazing community event and I love it. It brings the most joy to my soul.
0: Community gathering. And like you said, it's kind of a little bit low stakes, right? You don't need to pay a bunch of money or do a bunch of shopping. You can just go and be and be around people and observe and have a lovely day.
1: Oh yeah, 100%. And I mean, you'd... At, Organize with friends and classmates to be like oh we're gonna go meet at this place at the holiday train and everyone in the community knows about it you everyone knows that the holiday train is coming because you have everyone everyone show up from mayors to mlas to just families all over the place and it's just it's just an amazing community atmosphere
0: Yeah, I love it. So it actually makes its way into Alberta starting tomorrow, December the 6th. We'll pass by you and Wetaskiwin on December the 7th and keep working its way across the province till uh, December the 12th. So if somebody wants to learn a little bit more, cpkcr.com, cpkcr.com calm. Okay, so that's the holiday train. There's also lots of winter wonderlands popping up all over the province and there's one being put on by the Red Deer Symphony Orchestra. Anna, what do they have in store?
1: I know that we've talked about music and how awesome it is mm-hmm. and and you know Broadway productions and stuff like that. So, symphony is just an absolutely amazing place to go if you want to completely be immersed in music. So, they have an amazing evening of lovely Christmas music, both lively and relaxed. And it's just a good way to really get into that Christmas music spirit. I don't know how much Christmas music you've been listening to lately, but since <laughs> it's December now, I have allowed myself to indulge. <laughs> and so I'm hoping to attend and really immerse myself in all the emotions that music
0: has. What, what do they do to really make this event special why does this one stand out because i I agree with you anna i think the music from the season is one of my favorite parts of the christmas season i'm still kind of fighting against the holiday tide i I would still love to maybe make it another week or two before i fully immerse myself in a outright holiday season but why do you think this event is special at the uh, polytechnic arts center
1: it in that I especially around the Christmas season I am a community person I love to bring community together and and watch that dynamic flourish so involving the local Rendier Symphony and the university and in combining all of that those aspects and bringing the community together is something that I really appreciate with this they they really want to make a, a chance to have everyone kind of you know, Relax and, and sit together and, and chit-chat and just catch up, right? Mm. Enjoy the holiday season and the family that it has, or the opportunity that it has to bring family together. So it's one of the reasons why I really like, especially local things, where it's that kind of lower tense atmosphere.
0: Right on. So this one's December the 9th at the Red Deer Polytechnic Arts Center. If you want more information, showpass.com slash MS3, showpass.com slash MS3. One more holiday event for you to have put on the radar, and this one's in Edmonton. It's a brunch with Santa Claus.
1: I don't know if how how much you want to release your inner child. Uh, <laughs> but I think any opportunity to see Santa Claus during the Christmas season is a phenomenal one. And I mean, if you have kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, it's just a great little thing to bring people to once again, that, that community and giving back to the community and wanting to bring people together, seeing Santa Claus and my little eight year old self would be absolutely ecstatic to do this because Santa Claus, isn't he just magical? So eating brunch with Santa Claus is even better.
0: It's probably just a bunch of sugar cookies. I assume that's what Santa has for uh, for brunch there. Just a whole bunch of a whole bunch of shortbread cookies. Yeah, and I I can get in touch with my inner child, but I don't think uh Santa wants me sitting on his lap. I think I think that might cause some problems.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe. So, you know, 12 year old kids might might be a little better just for the sake of Santa's knees but you can still go and eat all the sugar cookies you want and, and soft ginger snap cookies I feel like Santa oh. would be a fan of
0: those yeah now we're really talking here yeah I've uh, I've I've lent Santa a hand because you know Santa can't be everywhere this time of year he's a busy guy so I've actually I've actually uh, donned the costume and done a little bit of work for him as a uh, overweight guy with white hair and the ability to grow a big beard I've uh, I've, I've lent a hand to Santa once or twice over the years uh, around this time of season to make sure that I can spread his message even when he can't be everywhere all the time.
1: Like the the good helper you are and now you know the struggles and the heartache that Mr. Claus endures and how the, the children sitting on the knees isn't the most comfortable thing in the world.
0: <laughs> Thankfully, I've got uh, big legs. December the 17th at the Sherbrooke Community League Hall in Edmonton for that brunch with Santa. Okay, Anna, let's uh, get off the holidays for a second and talk a little bit about, about something that you did. You had an opportunity to give a speech about your experience as a person with a disability. What, what's the background here? Who asked you to give a talk?
1: So, back three months ago, I was asked by the organizers of International Persons with Disabilities Day in my community. I was asked to give a speech and originally i was I was told to tell about my my story and my journey going to South Africa as you know one of the people with a disability on on a completely able bodied team and you know, I kind of took that and, and ran with it, and talked about my story as a person with a disability, and how I've kind of gone through and it navigated the world, and tried to become a, a strong advocate. And I mean, it was it was just a, you know, small breakfast, but speaking to a bunch of people who I know it came up to me afterwards, and I, I know were struggling a little bit with understanding how they can. Thrive in the environment that they're in and pursue what they truly wanted. And the whole idea of kind of the, the spiel that I gave was understanding that as a person with a disability, you can be limitless. It's, mm. it's up to you to kind of defy what other limits people put on you. It's up to you to determine what limits you have. And I went with a an idea that everyone is a main character in their own story, and then they have side characters. And it's up to those side characters to try and help that main character in that story thrive and inspire and push forward even past the limits that they thought they had. So it was an amazing opportunity and slightly very terrifying.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I, I wanna drill down on the terrifying side of this because even as I rapidly approach middle age, the idea of being vulnerable about talking about my disability is still hard, right? I've, I've been doing it professionally for almost 15 years now, talking about my disability, and I still find it to be difficult to be that vulnerable with people How did you approach that? What did it take for you to be vulnerable, despite the fact that you shared a really positive, really interesting message?
1: I walked into that event with the understanding that I'm going to be talking to a room of people who might be going through some of the same things that I've gone through. And I'm talking to a room of people of parents or siblings or caregivers who are struggling with understanding how to be that side character and allow their their main character to thrive and I understood that in order for people to understand and grasp the the full depth of my my speech my talk I needed to just kind of let go and let that part of myself show otherwise it would kind of seem disingenuous. so I went in with the understanding that this is the way that I I need to kind of let it go so that it will help others. So me being vulnerable about my experiences will ultimately help other people to maybe become vulnerable and advocates for their own. You kind of can't, you can't really talk about how to change the world and help shift things so that it's more accessible without talking about your own experiences. So as terrifying as it was, I kind of had to really understand that this is the first step into helping others change the world with me.
0: Anna, that's a great message and a great thought to leave this conversation on. Have a great time over the holiday season. Enjoy that brunch with Santa Claus if you get down there. (laughs) And uh, I'll talk to you in 2024.
1: Thank you very much. See you next year.
0: That's Anna Kim, a community reporter in Wetaskiwin, Alberta. In one minute, Laura Bain has the entertainment report. But first, Google wants to change how you interact with technology. Michelle Franzen explains in Tech Trends.
2: David Pierce is the editor-at-large of The Verge. He says ambient computing is the idea that instead of interacting with a computer through a laptop, phone, or smart speaker, all of those devices
0: work together. Rather than a computer being an object, it should be this sort of ethereal being that just follows you around and helps you throughout your life. And it all sounds very vague because, frankly, it is very vague.
2: But one thing that is clear is that the concept will require lots of different technologies to work together. You're going to have to make devices
0: made by competitors work together. My phone and my TV and my car and my refrigerator are going to have to learn how to communicate with each other.
2: And that'll require some large-scale cooperation.
0: It's going to take a lot of companies and people and developers and app makers thinking really differently about how the world works than they have.
2: With Tech Trends, I'm Michelle Franzen, ABC
0: News. Thank you very much, Michelle. As you read between the lines on that report, the word I want you to perpetually think about in the next stage of technological evolution is frictionless. That's why you might stay in one ecosystem right now, whether it's Apple or Google or Samsung or whatever it may be. But moving forward, the future of technology ideally is frictionless. Okay, on that thought, let's turn to Laura Bain for the Entertainment Report. Laura... Drake is pumping some cash into a defunct amusement park.
2: He sure is. Um, so Luna Luna was the world's first ever art amusement park, and it was originally in Hamburg, Germany. So it had a short life. It was only around for the summer of 1987. There were plans after that for it to travel to other places, but they didn't work out. And so the pieces have actually been sitting in storage for the last, I guess that's about 35 years or wow. so. So as you mentioned, uh, Drake's entertainment company, Dream uh, Dream Crew, has reportedly spent a uh, million to bring it back to life in Los Angeles.
0: Super cool.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. Um, So it features installations from some famous contemporary artists. There's a mirror dome created by Salvador Dali, a glass labyrinth created by Roy Lichtenstein, and a Ferris wheel created by Jean-Michel uh, Basquet. I think I'm saying that right. <laughs> the <laughs> the art student, uh, the high school art student in me certainly know. It's, knew how to say that. I, I think I am. Um, but these are all, all part of the original 1987 exhibition. And there will also be some new commission works. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be, oh, sorry, go
0: ahead. No, please, please, sorry.
2: Yeah, so it's going to be called Luna Luna Forgotten Fantasy and it'll be opening later this month in, uh, as I mentioned, in Los Angeles and it's going to run through the spring. So not too sure about future plans after that. I'm hoping this isn't just like a one-time revival for Luna
0: Luna. Mm. It, 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 people have a lot to say about Drake, probably because he is so famous at this point that welcome to the polarized world that we live in. <laughs> people are going to have a lot of thoughts on him and everything he does. But the one thing I'll say about Drake drake and you don't need to look too much further than down the street from the ami offices in east york ontario in the beaches where he basically built a brand new state-of-the-art music uh, music uh, venue uh, called history not him exclusively he didn't do it with his bare hands but he was one of the big investors in it and there's something about drake that is truly connected to art, and it's something that I really appreciate about him. I've been to a show at that venue, History, and it is phenomenal. Listen, beers are still $15, but welcome to a modern concert going. It is such a great venue, and it's so cool to see an artist like that who has the money and the power thinking about where can I platform art, where can I invest in art in all its forms.
2: Oh, totally. And I think that's why this story jumped out at me. I didn't really know that about Drake. I didn't know that side of, of what he does. And I'm not the, I'm not like the biggest fan of Drake's music. I mean, I like some of it. Okay. But this to me is really, really cool. And I'd, I'd love to go see it. Um, Now, fun little piece of trivia that I dug up about this, if anyone is sort of interested in seeing Luna Luna, but isn't able to travel to Los Angeles, um, Andre Heller, the original creator of Luna Luna, put out a book in 1987 with images uh, and descriptions of all of the original installations. So if visual material is something that's accessible for you you
0: can all the tentacles eh laura there's no getting (laughs) i think we're
2: gonna have a little fun with um you're in in drake's position perhaps and you get to open your own theme park and you want other people to show up but you're not
0: primarily concerned (laughs)
2: with money making (laughs) what is Uh, the dave land experience (laughs)
0: like um you know, Laura, this is gonna sound uh, really, really basic because I am, at my core, a very basic human being. Uh, would it mostly be sports and carbohydrates? And I wonder at what point is that not so much a Dave Land as it is a Dave and Buster's, where it's like just gonna be big TVs with sports on, uh, carbohydrates available, and a bunch of like fun games to play, like laser tag or like the basketball shooting game or like skeet ball. like, like, like I wonder at what point uh my actual theme park is actually just the sports bar <laughs> yeah I,
2: I think so and it sounds it sounds like it's going to appeal to a lot of people <laughs> yeah i was i was sort of thinking about the loreland experience and i think it would be like a hybrid of a spa slash foodie experience oh, so oh. picture hot springs mud wraps um, probably some saunas and also like a cheese buffet and chocolate fountain. That's what I, I think I would do. I don't. I don't know if,
0: if I had the power. I don't know if you. Rem- I don't know if you were still part of the AMI family back when uh, Lawrence Gunther and I did that postcards from the Yukon uh, travel documentary. Mm-hmm. But one of the places we went to just outside of Whitehorse was a place that was a series of hot springs connected to a crepe restaurant. So crepes and hot springs. So I think we might have found Laurelland there. Are not far from Whitehorse.
2: It sounds like they've laid the groundwork for
0: me, so I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Laura, thank you for this. Have a lovely day. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Dave. That's Laura Bain with the Entertainment Report. Coming up after the break, the Alberta government has basically eliminated a city council and mayor from a small town. I've got that story in the regional news update. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.